I'm not even supposed to be here today, but we are here. We are your Midwestern nerds. I'm Chad Coffin. And I'm Brian Stoffel. And we are back for another week, a big episode, our finale episode of season one. If you don't already know us by now, I can't believe that, but let me tell you again, we are your Midwestern nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. We are at Midwestern nerds on Twitter and Instagram. We are the Midwestern nerds podcast on Facebook. We're on Apple, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts can be found. Please take some time to rate and review us. Generally speaking, this is where we would head into some nerd vetting to see if our guest here, it's appropriate for him to sit down, if he has the right to sit at the table with the nerds. However, he has passed his nerd vetting before. We have none other than Milwaukee native Amago Day Village basketball legend, stretch <laughs> imitating Elvon Willie Beeman Riley is sitting down with us this week. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, I should say. Awesome. Glad to be back. Uh, thank you for having me back. Uh, I'm excited. I was going to say, not only did he already pass nerd vetting in his first episode, but not only did he escort us all throughout Milwaukee today, but is graciously allowing us to record in this house. So we were like, hey, we're going to record this episode in your home. <laughs> Screw you, you can't take part. <laughs> you have to pass the test first. It's like, was, I'll wait in the other room. See what you guys finish up. Uh, no, but nonetheless, we are here. We're excited to have Albon back. We three are close friends for many a year, and now he is a friend of the show, being back more than once. What we are doing down in Milwaukee today... For those of you who are Kevin Smith fans and Clark's 2 fans especially, you know of the fast food chain movies with their cow tippers and their hater tots. There have been pop-up restaurants going all over the country for the last year, year and a half or so that Kevin uh, Smith has been doing. So they take uh, a venue that's in an area and they put together um, kind of a memorable experience with different uh, merchandise and um memorabilia if you will and then obviously serving the food the cock smoker chicken sandwich or the cow tipper with hater tat some funion rings the one ring to rule them all the onion one rings. ring to rule them all onion rings so it's been going all over the place to all different cities la's new york's you know your big cities and it finally made its way to the, the biggest city in our humble little state of wisconsin that's an accurate statistic, right? Milwaukee's got to be the biggest, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So we went to the movies pop-up diner today. Brian, give me your thoughts. Well, first of all, they couldn't have picked a better location being in an arcade bar. So you had the arcade bar downstairs with your classic arcade machines, the bar that had like over 40 beers on tap. And then upstairs was the actual pop-up restaurant. So... Not only do you get the pop-up restaurant up top, which is what we all went for, but then we also got to indulge in video games and beers and have a good time downstairs as well. So the location, I think, was prime. Yeah. Uh, location, I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's open forum. Just talk when you yeah. want to talk. I mean, I mean, I mean up-down is like, you know, just 
uh, the nerd hangout up down, and you know, does a lot of events. Um, and actually, the bartender that you guys met is an event coordinator for up down, mm. and he uh picks up you know some bartending shifts when needed, but uh, he usually like coordinates a lot of events. He didn't coordinate this event, but um, he does a lot of other events up down. It's like you know, that nerd haven is really good, really a good spot, so uh, no, no other better spot than going up down arcade to enjoy you know. Uh, the burgers and the food and everything from the chemistry movies. It's uh, similar to those guys who were tied to more Green Bay and the Valley Market. We have like Player Two, the arcade bar there. This trumps Player Two, you know, on top of many levels. The fact that probably the single floor of Player Two isn't as large as even the single floor of Uptown, and you have two stories of Uptown uh, for arcade games and things. Great deals, of course. Um, but we were there to see the pop-up restaurant. So we head upstairs and we grab our food. Um, right away, you can see all different stuff. There's like the Holy Trinity. So they got Alanis Morissette, Buddy Christ, and Chris Rock is like the Holy Trinity up there. They have the Employee of the Month sign with Elias on there. Um, <clears throat> there's like a little stand-ups of Jay and Bob to take pictures with. And then on the back wall, you see all the merch. I know the first thing that caught my eye, obviously we'll talk about the food in a minute, but the first thing that caught my eye, which is the bummer of it all, because obviously it was the most popular, were the t-shirts. Were the Milwaukee Moors t-shirts, so like a mimic of the Brewers logo, but with the movies cow on it, with Milwaukee. Um, Those shirts were dope. Those shirts were tight, yeah, but... Unfortunately, we came the second to the last day of the event, so it was like a week-long thing. By the time we got there, the only sizes left were small and medium, which says <laughs> says what kind of people live in Wisconsin. <laughs> large, extra large, double extra large, gone. As you know, your Midwestern nerds are not small or medium, gentlemen, either. <laughs> um, other cool merch there, though, they had um signed memorabilia some of the stuff that was funny that was already there was stuff that i had have signed and picked up you know through house of heroes or powers or whatever it may be um i think it was really cool that i guess i hadn't realized this you know they do the the cups the fry bags um and things like milwaukee specific and even a lot of their memorabilia like we said the brewer style t-shirt but they had um, a poster that was specific to milwaukee um they had some crossover milwaukee bucks uh movie style stickers and coasters and uh, koozies and koozies and stuff so it's cool to know that they're actually tying stuff in uh i think the poster is sweet plus it's signed by kev and jay too which will be an awesome piece to add to the the fortress of solid dude um as we call it one thing that i can't speak to very much uh is the food so we want to know what was the what was the food like like we said we had chicken sandwich onion rings tater tots whatever they call them, burgers how did the food fare for such an event i loved the food um, the burger I thought was really good. They had like the, the quote unquote secret sauce of like the ketchup and mayo combo going on, uh, onions in there, pickles, um, your typical cheeseburger, but it was a good cheeseburger, uh, double patties. So it was with an event like this, it's a little pricier. And I felt like the, the price of the food was justifiable with the amount of food we had between the three of us with the food that we had i i had more than enough to eat and then some um the chicken sandwich uh got for alban here but he graciously <laughs> let me have a few bites of it it was that was really good too not dried out or anything but they had like some spicy sauce with it coleslaw in it it was 
it hit the spot and onion rings like garlic and onions are like my two go-tos for like pretty much any food so onion rings are up there and the onion rings sometimes you go to places like that they're like oh here's like four onion rings and that's your side this was like a large fry container they were like overflowing with the onion yeah, rings yeah, yeah. yeah those hit the spot dude coleslaw is a slept on sandwich topping yeah sandwich chicken even out of the right burger if you got like especially do with like a the sweet and sour coleslaw versus like the creamy yeah. that is a slept on sandwich topping without it yeah. yeah, the food, yeah, like Uncle Brian said, the food was really good. Um, a lot of chicken sandwich, fried, tater tots were good. Not an onion ring fan, but uh, I take your word for it. But yeah, I was surprised. You know? Well, you never know, too. Like you said, it's always a little bit pricier. The event is really what you're there for. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anybody went to, you know, whether it's this pop-up restaurant. They did one um, for a while, the Saved by the Bell um, to the max for a while. I don't think you really go for food. That's not really what you're there for. You're there for more of the ambiance, yeah. the feel, which um, Up Down really dove headfirst into. It's glad to see that the food was good because you don't want to, you know, I think all parts of this trip for me were on top, especially if you feel the the food was good. I can't eat the food for most of you guys know. I got celiacs, that's a whole other thing, um, but it's a mess. So the gluten and everything that makes food good, I can't have. But again, it was all about the experience. So you walk into Up Down, the first thing you see is like every flat screen in the place has a Kevin Smith movie going, whether it's Clerks or Chasing Amy or Clerks 2, they have Reboot, when we were getting ready to leave, um, Yoga Hosers was on there. So they had all different um, movies on the TV screen and on top of that too, and I think even more so than the TVs Brian and I talked about, they continued to play music, whether it was like a theme song or the the title card uh, music. And then on top of that, just more well-known songs that were in the movies continuously looping on the soundtrack, which I thought set like a really cool mood for the whole place. The one thing that I will say is with pop, this is the first pop-up that I've ever been to, which makes sense why it would be like this. But when you think of pop-up restaurants, sometimes you see like the ones that are like, they spend like the thousands of dollars to remodel the whole restaurant to look like that. I was First, those are the ones that you see online when you think mm-hmm. of pop-ups. So I was expecting to go upstairs and it was going to be like, just like it is in the movie. Purple and yellow all over, like this full of cows all over the place, the dining to yeah, sure. Unfortunately, it's, it wasn't up to that. But at the same time, it's here for a week. The amount that they did do to change the upstairs of that place, I felt like was still good, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like looking at an exact replica like I thought going into it. So that aspect was brought it down slightly. But I think the fact, too, that like if you go with the right crowd, like my co-host here, Chad's the biggest Kevin Smith fan that I know. So him coming along with us, like definitely rose that experience because he could point out the things that we didn't quite know or me going back over the weekend and watching as many of these Kevin Smith movies as I could, could pick out like some of the references and Easter eggs and stuff like that. That, that was pretty cool. Um, besides like not being an exact replica, I think the only other disappointing thing was the fact that we're too fat to fit in the sizes of the t-shirts that were left. <laughs> Cause those are some pretty sweet shirts. How is a guy like Kevin Smith who has a fat man beyond podcast and spent his entire life as a fat guy not send more large, extra large, double extra large shirts to the Midwest. 
You send all the smalls and mediums over to California. You send those that way. We don't need that over here. We don't need it. The fact that each location they go to is a different shirt, like specifically for that place, I can understand how they would have less compared to more because whatever they don't sell, they're sitting on, essentially. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll throw them, like whatever's left after all these tours up on their merch site to sell, but... You don't want to be sitting on like 500 shirts for Wisconsin because how many Wisconsin fans do you have out there that are going to like be clamoring to get these shirts? Right, until he like books like a Jane Silent Bob Get Old or like a stand, you know, one of their like live podcasts or a stand up, you could come back with those shirts. But until then, was he just throwing like 500 shirts from every city that they did in a storage locker for the next six months? But I do agree with you, especially with his fan base being more towards the older demographic you're gonna have want bigger sizes compared more bigger sizes compared to the smaller sizes so if they would have been out of smalls and mediums and had more large extra large double xl that would have made more sense to me than the other way well, who ended knows? Up being the case i mean and who knows we walk in there and we say oh they should have had more but like there's a very high probability that large extra large and double extra large had 50 each and that medium and small had like 20 each and just because we were there later in the week, those all got bought up. So who knows? Small and medium only ever might have had 20, 30 to begin with versus like what would have been, you know, your larges and your extra larges, which to be honest, or even in a regular size community, more than likely the right shirt size. Like how many grown adults do you know I wear a medium? True. When I'm at my thinnest, I can maybe fit to a medium. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not at my thinnest thanks to quarantine. <laughs> thanks to COVID. Overall, I think the pop-up was a success. I had a lot of fun. You walk in, the I sure you were open sign is up. You've got two huge, giant, inflatable blunt man and chronics outside, a big uh, quick stop and movie sign. And there was, like you said, stuff everywhere. Little small things, signs, the movies are running. You know, it was uh, it was cool even down to, like, the paper cups are printed with movies on the front. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um Again, not one of your top of the line. You're spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do it for a week. But um, I absolutely would call it a success because I had a blast with you guys there today. Oh, for sure. With that being said, we're going to sit on what will now probably be one of my favorite episodes, um, a Kevin Smith centric um, episode. We already talked about the movies pop up in the first half. And now I just want to take a moment to discuss, I mean, all the different media, all the different potential that you could choose from like what is some of your guys favorite kevin smith stuff for somebody from me who has such like a giant repertoire to pick from whether it's his comic books whether it's his books whether it's his podcasts, whether it's his movies tv shows like there's so much stuff that he's done his directing from his first clerks movie to reboot to the episodes of supergirl on the flash that he's directed and jay and silent bob has you know been in um there's so much out there to pick from I can say I always go back to the tried and true. Like, I love watching Clerks. I don't get to watch it as much as I'd like because black and white films aren't as accepted in my household as I would like to think. Um, But that one is like, it's something about something that always sets me on the course. Like, I'll always say the first Harry Potter movie, while it's not nearly as good as some of the others, will always be my favorite because that's what started it for me. You know, the first time I saw the beloved books that I had read in theaters. So I think having seen on that faithful day in high school when I saw Clerks for the first time on Comedy Central, obviously like the edited version and changed. So then I had to seek it out 
first time I actually saw Clerks, like the full length unedited version, I rented it from the library and I didn't even ID for it. So, and like, again, you know, it's not bad for a 16 year old to take the part in a rated R movie or whatever it may have been. But the fact that I walk out of the library with this movie, that's definitely not appropriate. And they're like, oh yeah, fine, enjoy it. We'll see you in a week. Uh, that was the first time I ever saw the unrated version was when I got it from the library in Oshkosh. So thank you municipalities of Oshkosh for letting underagers rent rated R movies from your libraries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, uh, I'm not like the biggest Kevin Smith fan. You know, I seen a lot of those movies I seen when I was younger. I seen Mallrats when I was a kid. I seen Dog when I was a kid. Uh, Jay and Solid Bob Strike Back when I was a kid. Um, I seen Clerks on accident, being in the Navy, being on the ship. I just replayed it, you know, like all day. So I got to watch it twice. You know, one time with no sound. I seen the whole movie with no sound <laughs> and no caption. I know, I know what the fuck was going on. I was so I watched the whole thing. I sat there and just watched with no sound. Um, just a Navy thing. They turned the sound off movies, and then the second time I got to watch it with the sound. Uh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, but if I had to pick out, like you know, instead of picking out a movie, um, for me having respect for Kevin Smith, it uh, started when I was like 14 years old. I was a big movie buff, raised on Scorsese. Um, Spike Lee, um, James Cameron, you know, those kind of directors, you know, more of the serious, you know, straight to the point directors, mm-hmm. you know, were suits and everything. And then I'm watching Stars, and I think uh, James Holly Bob uh, Strikes Back just went off Stars, you know, they did an interview with Kevin Smith for like 20 minutes. And I was like, who the fuck is this dude? You know, I never knew the director of like, Dogma and stuff like that. So I'm watching this interview, and it's like, he's a director, and he's like, well known. I'm like, but directors don't look. Don't look like that. You know, most directors I see are, you know, an Oscars, you know, with the, the bow tie, you know, the tuxedo. And so for me, um, just watching that um, kind of, in a way, you know, it gave me just a sense of, hey, you don't got to be, you know, the usual, you know, guy to make masterpieces and like him creating his universe. And that's like, get older and see, you know, oh, is this, oh, he did this. Oh, Chase Amy was him, you know, and um, seeing these work with Ben Affleck, you know, and Zach and Mimi makes a porno, you know, I just found out today he uh, directed, and I love that movie, you know, just, but just to see him, you know, be himself at all times, and the, and the love he has for comic books, you know, and the stuff that we love, I got a tremendous respect for the guy, you know, I might not be the biggest fan of his movies, um, but I can start, you know, getting my Kevin Smith universe knowledge up, but most definitely have a ton of respect for the guy and what he's done to cinematography. Yeah, I would say he's like the OG trendsetter for like nerd culture. Mm-hmm. The like the first guy that made it and didn't really give a shit about what anybody else thought about any of his stuff. Snapbacks, hockey jerseys, cargo shorts, long yeah. socks. Like we're allowed to cop these fits in public now because he did it. Because he made it like cool. And even now, where he's made that like adult change, he's only just traded in the the hockey jersey for a printed tee and a suit jacket, which is usually purple, you know? Well, not only that, but just the fact that, like, we are, like, the people that grew up getting picked on at school for, like, talking Star Wars Mm -hmm. and loving Lord of the Rings and uh, talking, reading Batman comics and all that. He did the same thing, but yet still brought that to your general audience attention in his movies like the fact that they have a star wars debate on what's better star wars or lord of the rings and clerks too the fact that you can definitely tell 
Kevin Smith's love for Batman in just his movies alone with Blunt Man and Chronic and all of the different comic book talk that they have in those movies to comic book men uh, later to spin off into that own show. Um, yeah, he's like the first guy that kind of made it in Hollywood that was like, all these things are okay. Like, it doesn't matter if people don't like them. If you like them, go show your colors. Like, don't be afraid of showing the stuff that you love and that you're passionate about. Don't hide it. Like, he, I think he's, like, the first big advocate of all that, that really made it somewhere, that kind of just showed everyone, you know, that it don't matter what people think about the stuff that you love. If you love it, love it. Don't be afraid to show it. Well, like you're saying, like, I will admit, I wasn't the kid who got picked on for this stuff, but I was the kid who buried it. Nobody knew for like a decade, like all growing up comic books. I was reading comic books, drawing pictures of superheroes, watching whatever, anything at the time, animated series, movies that I could get my hands on. But I got to like that middle school, like late middle school where like girls became a thing and I buried it. I put it away, which is just as bad as kids getting picked on for loving it is putting it away for years. Like I lost a decade of just loving on something that I should have been able to love on. And that's beautifully said for both of you guys too. a guy who is just owns himself and not only loves who he is as a person and puts that up, but make sure that other people know. And you can talk about it. Like so many celebrities are like, be yourself, be, you know, the next so-and-so, but this guy really walks out every day and puts it out there, like puts his stuff on front street. He's very much a guy who wears his heart on his sleeves. I mean, look even more than once, like on Instagram, he's been like put down and busted on even as and like, person in Hollywood like now what we would call a star he posts a picture of himself crying at the end of Mandalorian or like one of the Mandalorian episodes because Rosario Dawson shows up he goes oh it's so great to see this growth and it's like people are picking on him for crying he goes I don't care say whatever you want to say so having an advocate for that like that in the nerd world we need someone like that we need our, our blunt man and chronic to have our backs <laughs> and we do and we do have it I mean even uh is he from where is he from jersey jersey well even like the for me is interesting that uh, james hollow strikes back that he even like mentions moore's day in a time like who the fuck does that like some black people don't know who the fuck moore's day in the time is you know but he makes that he makes them so relevant you know like it makes it like a a big point of the movie people remember that that line you know um more stay in the motherfucking time. And then, you know, brings them oh, in, in the movie, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and it introduces a whole different world, you know, to this, this really, really good funk band that, you know, don't get, don't get, they do credit for like, you know, a lot of the, they had a time and a release, a lot of good music. They was at one point bigger than Prince, and Prince created them. You know, he kind of like brings, you know, and brings them back relevant to a, a different world. So dude is like incredibly, really dope. He's always done stuff like that too. He's he's very New Jersey, but he's you know that New York style too. He's a big fan of um, like uh, Meth Man and Red Man, and he's a big Run DMC fan to the point where they even had Daryl um, on um, on Comic Book Men too. He's spitting bars and stuff about comic books and stuff, which is cool. But again, it's just another not to be cliche but like game recognized game like kevin smith did that he built his own brand and built it up into the monolith that it is that's the same thing too like you get a band like run dmc band group whatever you want to call there that was not getting done you know the run dmc style similar not quite to like the bc boys too where they just did their own thing their own sound their own style and turned it into what now can be looked at as 
a pillar of, of fandom of whatever you know you want it to be. And now it's time to take a break from all this fun, nostalgia, reminiscing, and Kevin Smithis news to talk about some best stuffs. And as we're closing it down and we want to give you a little more best stuff, a little extra stuff for the next couple of weeks to tie you over, let me kick you off with two best stuffs. And two is a lot for me because often I have none. <laughs> That's true. So one of them is a movie that just came out, the sequel to John Krasinski's creative writing, directed directing debut, A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place 2. First movie that I've seen in theaters since COVID hit, since that faithful March 13th day. I think it's the exact same for you. Yep. Uh, my wife and I went. You and your girlfriend went uh, separate times, of course. This movie is more of what you loved in Quiet Place 1, but it's more action-packed and I would argue more suspenseful than the first one. It brings a lot of uh, the old one in. Uh, it brings a lot more. Uh, what I liked more is that uh, there were more vocal parts just because of how the, it was set up. There was more talking. There was a little more character development where before you just kind of had to understand what was going on. What is his name, that actor from the Peaky Blinders? Um, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy is awesome in this. You know, you think that you were going to miss john krasinski a lot for those of you who saw the first one you know what happens i think he takes the edge off because i really enjoyed him uh in the role that he played so it wasn't so much of missing lee's character uh, or the character rather of lee with this new character emmett involved just awesome again like this guy decides jim from the office decides he's gonna make a movie and he's basically creating like a brand new universe in and of itself of just phenomenal movies and i can't recommend it more like i said when i best stopped this i really wish that the first 10 minutes 10 15 minutes in the movie would have been the whole movie but i wasn't upset by the end of the movie that that wasn't the case um like you said, Killian Murphy kind of does a good job of picking up picking up the pieces after John Krasinski leaves in the story, but he does a great job. I did miss Krasinski. I kind of wish that he wouldn't that he would have made it into the second movie and done that role himself. But oh, don't get me wrong, I was not happy with him not being there. Yes. I'm just saying if it had to go anyway. Exactly, this was a good way for if it you, to go. If you had to pick a, a replacement, I think Killian Murphy filled those shoes quite well. And I think, like what you said, now it makes more sense to me when you had said, I wish the first 10 minutes was the whole movie. I really think that they're giving themselves a lot of potential to do a prequel. So A Quiet Place 3 has already been announced with the release date of like 2024 or whatever it is. I think they continue this story for A Quiet Place Part 3. And then after that, I think they can kick it back and do a prequel movie. That would be what we saw in the first 10 minutes. So without, I don't think we've really given you anything we <laughs> for this movie. So that is a perfect uh, best stop in my opinion. Brian, what do you have? Uh, my first best stop is another movie. This is a movie that came out on Netflix Gosh, probably close to a month ago already. Um, it's Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, uh, starring Dave Bautista. 
This is a movie that, like Dawn of the Dead, the remake that he did, he very much um, thrives in the zombie universe and takes it to the next level of containing the zombie apocalypse in Las Vegas and turning it into a heist movie. This is a movie that... I didn't have the highest of expectations going into and found it to be more enjoyable than I expected. I also thought that it was just going to be smart zombies, but it was kind of a mixture of every type of zombie. You had your slow zombies, you had your fast zombies, and then you had this new hybrid of zombies that um, that is very aware that they're zombies, but has kind of adapted to their new way of life. And they're the leader of like the zombie horde that's in Las Vegas. Dave Batista shows more ranges of acting than I expected to see from him, especially in this movie. And the only negatives that I would give to this movie is like every Zack Snyder movie. I think it's a little too long. It's a two and a half hour movie. I think it easily could have been an hour 45 to two hours. And that is my first best stuff. I'm going to have three this week. Awesome. Wild. Uh, my next one is a TV show that got <clears throat> pimped and whored around on the Tell em Steve Dave universe for a really long time. Brian Quinn was a huge fan of this British TV show. Talked about it all the time. Through the world of Twitter, became like close friends with the creator, Ian K. Morris. This show has been referred to by another Tell Him Steve Dave host, Brian Johnson, as American Pie if American Pie didn't suck. So today, just today, I finished season three, which is all they have on Amazon Prime. I could be wrong. It could be all that exists. Um, the show is The In-Betweeners. So the show focuses around four British teenagers, like 16, 17 or so, dealing with high school and girls and drinking and just life in general. But again, it's not that kitschy, campy bullshit that you often get in these shows. It's like, it's pretty raunchy at times. It's really funny. Like more than once I found myself really cracking up at jokes that were said or scenarios that happened or whatever. I would highly recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime. All three seasons are on there. I even sent out a tweet to no avail. I was like, oh man, after years of Brian uh, Quinn gobbling Ian K. Norris's nuts over the in-betweeners, I finally watched it and I guess he was right. <laughs> so that'll be my best stop for the week, the in-betweeners uh, TV show on Amazon Prime. My second best stop is going to be the newer comic book series um, by Nightwing and Power Rangers writer Kyle Higgins called Radiant Black. They just dropped the issue number five, I think, this week. Issue four was wild. It was one of those issues that they deem will change everything. And that's a, a quote that's dropped one too many times in comics that really doesn't change everything. But this was one of those rare cases where you finished issue four and you were like, oh, shit, this is now a totally different book than it was in the first three issues. To me, as if Spider-Man and Power Rangers kind of combined worlds, um, it's about this mid-20s uh, kid who has to move back home with his parents after he fails at becoming a writer in Los Angeles. Um, he 
gets superpowers from a black hole that gives him this suit that looks very Power Rangers-esque, gives him uh, superpowers, and then it's him trying to learn how to control these powers. This week's issue, very much, I've heard, feels very Power Rangers, more so than it has before, which is why I deemed it as like Spider-Man meets Power Rangers, other than the look of it. This is an awesome series. The art's gorgeous in it. It's a lot of fun. It mixes prose writing in occasionally with comics, which is something different and interesting um, and is quickly becoming one of the hottest new indie series that is out on the market today. Radiant Black by Kyle Higgins. Issue 5 came out this week. Definitely check it out. If you don't pick it up in single issues, pick up the trades when they come out. You won't regret it. Elvon, any best stuff this week? Oh, okay. Um, my third one uh, is going to be, uh, I couldn't walk away from this season without best stuffing something to tie you guys over from my boy, Kev Smith. We talked about him all this episode, not all of it, most of it, but one that I watched over my birthday, one Kevin Smith movie that I don't plug in that often, but another one that is star studded um and it has a really fun premise because i don't mind when anybody um especially in a vacuum that i love picks on religion a little bit so the movie here is dogma um, a movie that was protested to a certain extent um, with its kind of joking manner towards uh, the catholics with catholicism now creating buddy christ um <laughs> kicking it off with local loki and bartleby being uh, portrayed by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. You have Chris Rock as the 13th Apostle. Uh, Selma Hayek is a stripper, and she's the muse. There's a lot of parts, and, and of course, our heroes, um, the prophets of Jay and Silent Bob, helping uh, this individual through their story. Um, it stars um, Alan Rickman, George Carlin, the individuals that I already talked about. One that I never talk about when I tease this movie because I always want people to wait till the end to see um, but just a really really fun movie it's it's not so much it's a lot less Jay and Bob and it's a lot more other stuff and this this movie just makes me laugh so much every time I watch it so Dogma is definitely my best stuff for this week if you can get your hands on it. it I tracked it down on eBay and, and Amazon and I was only ever able to track down a DVD Japanese copy uh, of the movie. It's all in English, but the box is all in Japanese letters and things like that. So it's a little harder to come by. So if you need this best stuff mailed to you, just let me know. From what you've said, I mean, I know Kevin Smith has a way of uh, roping in some of the celebrities in his movies, but that seems like the, uh, the heaviest star studded of his whole catalog. It's pretty close. My last... And certainly not least, best stuff of the week is a little bit of some old that is brand new. The ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleson, has come back to Doctor Who after being away from the show for 15 years, being away from the franchise for 15 years. Um, he's back with Big Finish doing audio dramas. And the first box set in this series is um, the Ninth Doctor Adventures, Doctor Who Ravagers. Um, 
I've listened to the first two of three parts to this story, and it is so awesome to hear Christopher Eccleston come back to the role. I mean, it would have been nice to see him on the screen, but if this is the one way that we can get the actor back, I'll take that over nothing at all. It's modern Doctor Who with this classic actor portraying this character in new and yet old familiar ways. I don't want to give away too much, but basically different things from different time periods are finding their way to the modern day. And he's got to go um, and try and fix that with a new companion named Nova. He still has that edge to him that Christopher Eccleston did as the ninth doctor, but he's um, he also is a little bit more friendly as well, which is a little bit, which is a for me more welcoming at times during his uh portrayal on the show it could be a little bit too harsh i really do love it like i said new ninth doctor stuff i never thought that i'd want it more than i do now but after listening to those first two there's three more box sets coming out and i can't wait for them to come out so that i can jump right into this if you're a doctor who fan if you're a ninth doctor doctor who fan um definitely take advantage of this you can get these off of the big finish website i got the cd box sets i know a lot of people don't listen to cds anymore but you can do digital downloads through there highly recommend checking this out doctor who ravagers by big finish productions is my final best stuff of season one six best stops we're talking about possibly four weeks even if we go long that's more than a best stop a week for the next four weeks even if it goes six you get a best stop every week even if some of this stuff let's say quiet place two that's a best stop you never saw one boom there's two best stops we got comic books tv shows movies audiobooks, everything you could possibly ask for in Best Stops to tie you over to get a little taste of your Midwestern nerds while we're away. Enough nostalgia, at least for Kevin Smith for right now. As mentioned before, this is going to be episode 49, the finale, the season finale of uh, season one, the inaugural season of the Midwestern Nerds podcast. I'll be honest, the when we started this, the way it started, um, I was so nervous. I'm like, this wouldn't even be a thing. Like the one year mark would be so far fetched for us. And not only getting to what's, I mean, and change short for the one year mark, but like we only missed two weeks out of the entire year. That's why we're rolling in on this one at 49 and, you know, not like 52 for the year. After the the bumpy road that my, my podcast had, short and long, you know, short-lived, and your YouTube channel, it's crazy to sit here and be looking back. I watched almost 50 episodes. When you first pitched us doing a podcast together, I thought that it was just kind of like a joke, like a... Like, oh, wouldn't that be cool if we did that? And that's kind of how I took it at the time. I was like, yeah, that'd be really cool. And then, like, the next couple days passed, and then you were like, so, where are we with this podcast? And I was like, oh, this is actually going to be a thing. Like, this is going to be, yeah, this is the real deal. So then we sat down, we 
both came up with a handful of different names for the podcast, and then... You're giving me too much credit. I came <laughs> up with, like, three. Brian had, like, a list of 18 <laughs> that we could have, and we cut it down to... Oh, man. I think we cut it down to, like, six. I, I remember you had one that was back issues and like beers and or brews and back issues and i was like oh man that's so great but then i was like if you don't know that old comic books are called back issues we're just a podcast about old white guys <laughs> back issues and brews um one that was so close um to the end i know for me um i loved um, pop culture on the rocks that was one they again, both of those being yours that were such good ideas. I know there was one before we settled on the Midwestern nerds that you liked a lot. I, yeah, I was sold on six packs and spinner racks. I was like, yes, I love this title. Like, I'm all for this one. This is the one that I want. And then we reached out to a bunch of friends and family ask them what they thought of our we we narrowed it down to like five or six type like our top five or six and i think there was like maybe one or two people that liked that one and a bunch of people that were like what the hell does that even mean and i was like they'll see our logo they'll get it we'll have a spinner rack on there we'll have like six pack of beer and a bunch of nerdy <laughs> shit but the one that i was like this is i was like eh like it's clever but it's not my favorite ended up being title of the podcast midwestern nerds it is very on brand i think for the things that we talk about for um the amount of alcohol i've probably consumed on the show probably in excess <laughs> at times um again we have a lot of our sports a lot of our news can be based in popular hollywood style but we also bring a lot of things back to the midwest we talk about local comic book shops we talk about local wineries breweries things that are coming out of the Midwest that we do here. Um, this is a Milwaukee-centric episode right here. Fully Midwest. Fully Midwest. With a, with a hint of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so I think falling on Midwestern nerds, I was the same thing as you because where you felt about Six Pack and Spinner Racks, I liked Pop Culture on the Rocks. Um, that's where I was set on. And then when we took like the five, we had both of our favorites in there, but then three other ones were like, yeah, these are pretty good. And when all the info, first of all, nobody picked mine. So uh, when all the, like it all came back and people were like, this is perfect for you. And then now seeing like the logo that we got made and like the different things that we've added to it over time, I think it definitely was on brand for us and made it a lot more clear, like who we are more about. I mean, it's even dope that you guys, you know, what past fucking two episodes, man. Like, you know, most people get left for like they stop, you know, like life hits. Oh shit! Like, you know, I gotta work more hours. Whatever, guys, only missed two weeks and that produced forty nine episodes. That's fucking. That's awesome. In for a me. year where there was a pandemic, huh? Brian moved into a moved out of an apartment and moved into a house with his girlfriend. My wife was pregnant and, and gave birth in the time that we were having doing this podcast. Like, there's a lot, a lot of reasons. And, and a chicken wing shortage. I'm mean, about that. Yeah, and the chicken wing <laughs> Shit, that's the fuck COVID chicken wing shortage. But the, <laughs> the, even bad. just like the moving into the house, I went back to prepare for like a backup episode today, going through all of our old ones. The house episode where our main topic was talking about like iconic houses and pop culture, that was episode four. So I'm, I went from an apartment to moving in, not only moving into a house, but remodeling a house for like months. And that was in the first four episodes. And I think it was by episode six 
that we released the first Doomsday Pod because my son was born. So like within the first, again, like you even said, the first two months of the podcast, the, all that stuff blew up and we did, we I think part of this too is like, I know for me, it like keeps my sanity every week where I can sit down and just dish it out and do something that I'm like the, my creative outlet, you know, what I can put out into the world. We never sought out to be the next Joe Rogan. We never sought out to be the next Nerdist, but we set out to put out something that we create every week. And I think we do a good job of that. I think the big noticeable milestone for me was when we hit double digits for episodes because I expected it to be like a month, maybe two. And then we were like, well, we tried. That was, that was great. But we just, the first couple episodes were a little rough trying to figure out how we wanted things to go, what the structure would look like, even just like getting the confidence to like talk to a microphone and know what to say to a microphone. And to work together yeah. in that, because even after we found our confidence in talking on the show, you and I had to work out some rhythm things for a little while too, until we really hit our stride. And now it's just like, like our last guest that we had on Ian and Rob, they looked at us like, yo, you guys professionals were like, no. <laughs> well, that's what, like, that's what Kyle and Zach said. Zach's like, oh, this is the kind of podcast we're on. Like, this is like real. It's not like ours. And it's kind of complimenting in and of itself. I know for me, there were the, the highs and lows because there was a lot of times where this podcast has really become a labor of love. Like, we don't just sit down every week and just go off to the races. Brian sits down and throughout the week puts together all the news topics, gets all his notes put together. I have to go through and work on whether it's the sports for the week, whether depending on the main topic, if we can't come up with something, whether it's a game we're going to play, a bracket we're going to do. We sit down and I mean, we scheduling put... Scheduling the guests. Exactly, scheduling guests. We put hours into this i'm not going to sit here and say this is a full-time job but this podcast has become a part-time job outside of my regular job like we got we work 40 50 hours a week we got families we got friends we got other stuff that we had to do but well even just like for me the editing portion of it like an hour-long episode where everything is going smoothly there's not a whole lot of um jumbles of words to cut out or there's not like some awkward spaces where we're trying to figure out how to say what we want to say and not going off on tangents and the audio is working right the mic's working right and the sound's coming out great those episodes that come out like that that are an hour long can take me like three hours to edit and those are like the smooth going episodes. Then you go throw in the episodes where we're having some technical difficulties. Somebody's or... on Zoom. We have more than one person in. Chad sets the wrong setting on the mic. <laughs> we do it in a car. Like if three hours is on, two to three hours is not a good episode. No wonder your girlfriend gets so upset with you on Thursday nights. <laughs> yeah, because we record Wednesday nights, I edit Thursday nights, and then we throw the episodes up on Friday afternoons. There have been weeks where I've reached out to a, um, our guest last week, Kyle, and I'm like, hey, can you help me with some editing? Because like, either I don't have enough time to get this done or like I'm having some problems that I can't figure out. Or you're going to be on until 4 a.m. when you got to turn around and get to work at 7. Yeah. Like, there's some nights you text me, you're like, hey, can you put a title and description on the podcast? And I have been asleep for hours. Oh, my God. Put some time 
Yeah. <laughs> Part of it too, I think, you know, you get those ebbs and flows where it's work and it's kind of stressful to get things done while you're still trying to focus on real life. Cause again, I'm never going to sit here and say that this is my job. This is, you know, but this is our fun. This is our outlet. This is our extra thing we get to do um, regardless of how much time we have to put in. But there's times and I, and I, hopefully you agree or else I'm on my own, but this, there's times where like, we're getting, we're putting together an episode and it's like, do we need to go this week? Can we take a week off? And that's where the balance has been good for us. But I've always found that one of the main drivers to keep me going is I love feedback, whether big or small from anybody, one person who listens, even if it's a closer, it could be my mom. And they'd be like, Oh, well, we listened to the first 10 minutes of the show, but then you swore a little too much. So we turned it off. Um, you know, getting a little bit of feedback that here people are even trying it out. People are even giving us a listen. And then the other thing too, is having guests on. It's fun to sit down with us every week, but when we start, you know, when Jazz was on, when Elvon came on, Kyle, you know, our, our friends sit down with us. It's even more fun because it's it's even more than a podcast. It's just hanging out. It's getting to see people you don't see all the time. It's getting to talk about things that you love, whether it's X-Men or um, what movie cast that you would put together yourself and things like that, that just made it so much more fun. And I think that's why I think there was a stretch from like five episodes in a row where we had a guest every single week. And that's not even including like when uh, Scott was on, the director of um, Scott Barber, the director of the Orange Years. The Orange Years, the Nickelodeon documentary we did. For me, I think that was my biggest highlight of this show so far, was that a legit, like, documentary. Mm -hmm. On Amazon rep- Prime, on the internet, you can find it everywhere. His representatives reach out to us and are like, hey, can we be on your show to talk about our po- our, our documentary? And I'll... You, Chad was the one who brought it up to me because he's he manages our social media. He's like, "Hey, this guy reached out and wants wants us like on the show." I'm like, "It took him days to believe me." Like, I guarantee, even after texting, like, "This is real," I knew like until we got together the next week. I was, it was, I thought it was like, I thought it was like college film school type person being like, "Hey, I have my final project. We're doing this documentary." Like, we stumbled upon your, but no, the fact that it was like. He sent us a legit screener of the documentary before it was released. First time I ever got a screener. That was when I was like, oh, this is real. Like, this is what this show could be. That was that was a big moment, I think, for us. That's another one, too, again, where, like, social media, like, it's easy to just plug through and, like, look at everybody's stuff, but to create posts that matter, that are interesting, that even for a small bit, it's like, sometimes it's like, oh, this is dumb. But it's the way that we get interest and we get intrigue and somebody finds us ginger boy studios or productions or whatever who created that with scott and having a legitimate guest not i mean not to say otherwise like we love having our friends on but yeah i I know a documentary director (laughs) shit i I ain't shit no you go ahead (laughs) (laughs) so i mean having that even to the point uh, one a brand that we love that again unpaid we're not currently on contract with them right now but titchy having a sponsor reach out to us, like one that we're not even trolling around for that reaches out. We love your show. We love what you're about. We love where you're about. We're based out of Chicago. We'd love to do business with you. And having that relationship with Rose and Titchy Apparel, like I love their stuff. Brian's wearing the hat right now. If this Brian's- has been my favorite hat since I got it back in, what was that, April? So yeah. like for months now, this is the only hat I've really worn since I've got it. It's hard to ever see Brian and I at the same time and at least one of us isn't wearing 
something from Titchy because I mean we're long sleeve, short sleeve, we're this is stickers, hats, everything possible. The skate decks, like they they took care of us, and they're such an awesome company. Um, possibly with a comeback, so we'll see about that. Um, but it's it's been like surreal too because even the weeks where it gets tough to sit down and just say like pat yourself on the back for a second, like not be too proud, but just say wow, there's a lot of th- things like Elvin said like. These don't even get off the ground. They get like one episode out. They record it and put it on, you know, whatever, wherever they can put it out. But I remember too, like that's being so surreal when we finally got on Apple and I went into my library on my phone and I'm looking at like Joe Rogan. I'm looking at Crime Junkie podcast, like all the ones that I listen to. And then there we are. There's our logo. There's our names on Apple, like something that big i don't think anyone can ever like take that away from us you know we created content that we put out there that people were like this is good enough to exist in this medium we're not Batman on batman we're not jay and silent bob but like that we can be represented even on somebody's phone that says there they are they're there with everybody else i thought was such a high for the show and that was only the first couple of weeks so it was the small things like that that throughout this entire experience that has kept it going but at the end of the day it's just it's fun it's fun to sit down with my guys and just talk about stuff that I want to talk about how long, all day long, whether you work in an office or you work in retail or you don't work. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to do stuff you don't want to do. You want to talk about stuff you don't want to talk about. You got to engage with people you don't want to engage with. And now I get to sit down and engage with our listeners, engage with our friends on the show, engage with each other every week. It's more fun than I ever thought it could be. You guys are really, really good. Um, I was, you know, talking to you guys from the start. I was, when you did your solo podcast, I used to tune in from Japan, listen to you and our YouTube channel. Same thing, man, but you know, I'm super proud of you guys. Uh, really, that's something good going here. Shit, keep at it, man. You know, keep at it. Season one is, you know, down for you. I'm looking forward to you know, the next season. That's going to bring more, more interest, more opportunities. <laughs> with that being said i know we've mentioned it and we'll mention it again Uh, i think the most important part to take away from this being a finale episode is this is not your series finale this is not where your midwestern nerds are setting down their mics uh their mics and their headsets and wandering off into the sunset this is simply um re-gearing, re-engineering. We're going to take this and go out with a bang, with an awesome experience, with an awesome guest, a close friend. But we're going to work to bring more stuff like we have in the past. Uh, Like we talked about, there's a lot, a lot of time and effort that goes into this. So this being episode 49, the finale of season one, the plan right now is four weeks. Four weeks from this release, and you will be back with your Midwestern nerds again. So about a month off is going to give us time that we need to rejuvenate and put ideas back in this. Sometimes we struggle each week to come up with the main topic to bring you guys. But with that being said, we have a great idea to bring back season two. We're going to kick it off episode 50 with a big guest-laden tournament-style nerd explosion. That doesn't sound right. Event. A nerd event that you guys can really look forward to getting into. We originally thought that we were going to do this as the season finale. Like, we were going to do episodes 50 and 51 and what we were and still are kind of tooling and figuring out as like the big season finale and then take our 
our quick little break, our quick little hiatus, our season closing. But then the ideas and the plans that we have for for those two episodes are so big that we want to take the time to actually plan out and prepare and have everything all set up and ready to go for these two episodes so that we can give you guys the best quality content, the best season premiere of season two that we can. These episodes, whether done in one or two parts, would not have given, we would not have done them justice. This idea of the proper amount of work and justice, if we would have put it together in a week or two weeks. The reason we need to take this break is to make sure that this idea gets fleshed out and gets put 100% out to exactly what we see it as our brainchild right now. Um, we have to work with guests that we've had on the show before. You're going to see almost everyone that has been on the show is going to take part in this in this episode. So um, Elvon is going to be, uh, we're recording stuff with him today. After we end this show, we're recording stuff with him today for the show. Reaching out to resident uh, Midwestern Roots doctor, uh, Sexy Jazz Stone. We're going to talk, you know, to the Golden Knight. We got people all over the place that we're pulling in and that could not be done in a week. That could not be done in two weeks. So it's going to make sense um, because we want to make sure we best represent our idea and the people that are going to join us on the show. So while we keep dropping the word break, it's really not going to be a break. I mean, we're not going to be sitting down and recording an episode every week, but we're probably going to be sitting down multiple times every week to plan out and get everything all set up for these travel like travel get things recorded with people who don't have the equipment people who have the equipment coordinating with them so they know what they need to put out it's a break for you guys from us but it will not be a break from each other for us because (laughs) we're going to be diving in just as hard uh each week to figure it out elvon has a little bit of insight of what's going on because he's going to be collaborating with the, with us on this. He's going to be participating, partaking in it. What little bit can you tease the our listeners with to get them hyped up and excited from what you know about it so far? I don't want to be Tom Holland and uh, be major spoiler alert. That's <laughs> no, not what I want to do, but I do want to tell the listeners that it's going to be dope super dope um it's gonna be kind of like you talking to the boys you hanging out and you got questions about blending different universes together and you know like so that i'm not trying to give nothing away but just know that uh whatever you like uh anime marvel dc uh video games will be represented and an awesome way and it's going to be a great conversation starter and maybe conversation ender is going to be awesome so just just know that it's going to be dope was that good i don't, I don't want to yeah show i don't want to spoil it <laughs> originally like i said originally this was a plan for a season finale so we wanted to take some themes and elements and things that really worked in season one to a culmination in these two episodes um to now then have that be the kickoff of season two, uh, I think is going to be not just really exciting, but I think it, I think you guys are really going to like what we're planning to bring to the table. Everything that you've loved about this podcast so far, the highlights and the highs of the highs, the things that you've clamored to us and we're like, yes, we loved this. Do more of that. It was really good. That's kind of what we're 
bringing up to the boiling point to start off season two? May the odds forever be in your favor. <laughs> well, this is going to bring a close to what we said is the finale. But again, it's not about this episode. I don't think calling it a finale is even apropos because this is just we're we're hitting the we're putting a pin in it. We're hitting the pause button right now. This isn't a stop. We're not putting in a new disc. We're hitting the pause to take time, let our VCR catch up so it's running at pristine top speed. We, however, as always, are your Midwesterners. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S at Midwesterners on Twitter and Instagram. Midwesterners podcast on Facebook and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Downcast, Podcast, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and wherever else podcasts can be found. Please take a minute to rate and review us. Now you got time. You got a couple weeks. The time that you would take to listen to us, you can take to rate and review us, whether you're on a social media site, whether you're part of an e-commerce conglomerate, or if you're on uh, whatever you may be to find us, uh, take the time to rate and review us because it helps you uh, to help us to get out to more people let us know what kind of podcast you want this to be i think we've had a lot of feedback and responses on season one about things that worked and things that didn't uh we really take that feedback to heart and try to make this the best content that we can but we can't do that if we don't have that uh back and forth communication that when we don't have the um, feedback from everybody reaching out to us, letting us know what they think about the podcast. We're going to be taking a short break from new content for not very long, but the more feedback we get, the more we can prepare to make an even better season two of the Midwesterners for all of you. And as always, and for a little while, I'm Chad Coffin. I'm Ryan Stoffel. Novon Raleigh. And whether it's beer brats, comics or pops, keep it nerdy.